Welcome to the podcast. This is season one, episode two. Hope you had a good week. Last week, we began diving into the topic of your peculiarity on this earth that you might look like everybody else. You might have flesh. You might have skin. Obviously, I hope you do. You have blood. You have hair. You have feet. You have toes. You have fingers. But you are not like everybody else because of the Spirit of God that lives in you. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 28, one of the results of the blessing of God coming on somebody is that the nations will see that you are a people called by the name of Jehovah, of Jesus Christ, and they shall fear God because of it. Malachi chapter 3 says, in that day, talking about the end times, people are going to know there's going to be a discerning factor. There's going to be a distinguishing mark between you and between the rest of the world. And so we, we dived into it and we talked about how you were not created for mediocrity. We talked about how this, there's this glorious destiny that God has for you. But in order to attain to that, in order to reach that destiny, you have to have vision. So episode two, I'm going into the power of vision. God has a general plan for his church but he has individual visions for each and every member of his body. Remember, the body, the, 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 the hand cannot say to the foot, I have no need of you. Jesus has need of every, all hands on deck, every organ functioning according to its original purpose. God has wired you for a specific task on the earth. I want you to, I want you to say that out loud, but put your name in and say, God has wired me, or God has wired TJ, or whatever your name is, God has wired TJ for a specific assignment, a task to complete on this earth. And it might be a series of tasks. It's definitely a series of assignment. As long as there's breath in your lungs, then that means that heaven is sounding a trumpet, hoping to get your, att- hoping to get your attention so you can tune in. Many are called, few are chosen. The chosen are the ones that answer the call. And so if you don't think that there's a specific assignment, if you don't understand that there is a, a, a tailor-made vision that God has for you, then uh, you're going to live struggling and frustrated in life. And vision, what vision does, it's actually the unfolding of a divine plan as it pertains to you. Vision is the unfolding of a divine plan, what God has planned for you as it pertains to you. So what does vision do? Why do we need vision? It opens our eyes to see the path. It opens our eyes to see the end goal. When I got saved, I had a vision of crusades, not in Africa, not in South America. I saw a vision of crusades in North America, of of. of African-style open-air crusades and hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people coming in to hear the gospel. And so I, I caught a vision of it, and then I have need of direction to take the steps. But today I want to focus on the vision because you know what gets me through? You know what uh, encourages me even when I don't feel encouraged? You know what makes me to keep on going on despite you know what I see? On the outward, on the outside, no matter how I feel on the inside, is that I've seen the vision. There's a clear vision. 
of packing fields out with people to preach the gospel to them, get them saved. That's my, that's my vision. Now, your vision, God might give you a different vision. Maybe he's given you a vision of a company that you're to start. Maybe he's given you the vision of a business, a model, and a plan that has never even been seen or heard of before. I have a friend who lives in Montreal. She received vision from God for a recipe of a, of a, of a cookie called Heavenly Cookies, Heavenly Taste Cookies. And uh, she received the, the, the recipe, the ingredients in a dream, and she had a vision for it. And as such, she began to experiment with things, and she came up with, with uh, this amazing cookie that is sold, sold all over Canada, and I think it's even in the United States. And she has become very wealthy as a result of it, and it was a heavenly vision. She, she received it by the Spirit. She received it um, as she was, <laughs> she was sleeping. Dreams and visions. And so you, you, if, if you don't understand that vision is not an invention of what you want to do, but rather it's a discovery of what God has pre-programmed you to do, you are going to, uh, you're going to be confused in this because you're going to be trying things out, perceiving it to be like vision, but really it's just selfish ambition. And I'm going to get into that, things that look like vision but uh, that aren't. And uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to create struggle, it's going to create frustration, it's going to create stress, unnecessary stress, because you're going to be moving into things that God has not called you to. And that, my friend, is the key ingredient for stress. That's a key ingredient for burnout. It's a key ingredient for a lot of things. Remember, the Bible says, let every man remain in the same calling in which he was called. Were you called to be a, a full-time minister? Then stay in that. Because if you try anything else, it's not going to succeed and uh, whatever things you think you have planned out for yourself and the great future you see for yourself, God's future for you is far better, far greater, far more glorious, far richer, and far more substantial. Remember the book of Corinthians, I believe it's 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul is saying, what eye has not seen, what ear has not heard, what has never entered the heart of man, those are the things that God has prepared for us those are the things god has prepared for us so if you think you can actually come up with a better plan than god then you're blinded by pride and um you're gonna suffer for it because pride comes before a fall pride comes before destruction a prideful man will suffer harm the bible says by pride comes nothing but troubles and strife but by humility and by seeking the lord remember humble yourself it's one of the ways that you can tap into vision and the vision of God God has for you. It's one of the ways you, you discover what God has planned for you is by humbling yourself because the, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. When you humble yourself and, and submit yourself under the hand of God and trust in the Lord with all your heart and all your understanding and lean not on your own understanding, on your own thoughts, on your own perceived um. Uh, your own perception of life and stuff. When you do that, God said, he shall exalt you. He shall promote you. Remember, promotion does not come from man. Promotion does not come from the east. It does not come from the west. It does not come from the south. Promotion doesn't come from a rich billionaire. Promotion comes from the Lord. If you have everybody that is on your side, but God is not pleased, 
there'll never be any promotion. But if you have everyone against you, but God is pleased with you, the Bible says very clearly, he's going to lift you up. He's going to raise you up for the humbled shall be exalted. But those that that exalt themselves shall be humbled. So I want to go through a few things that I've written down on the power of vision. And number one is that it's for lack of vision that people perish. And in the King James version, it says it's for lack of vision that the people have no restraint. They have no self-control. When you have no vision, it's very hard to set a schedule for your daily life. When you have no vision, remember, success does not come uh, because you stumbled on it. Success is not a lucky streak that someone uh, breaks into. Success is not an event. Success is a lifestyle. When you take the necessary responsibilities and the necessary disciplines that you uh, practice on a daily basis and do them, That is success in itself. When you start to get immersed into the process of uh, doing what God has called you to with the thing you can do today. Remember, Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has its own worries, but sufficient for the day is its own worries or its own troubles. So there's things that you can do today. You don't stress your mind out hoping to arrive at a successful future. And in doing that, you're not even doing what you can do today to arrive at that successful future. You're not taking the steps necessary today to arrive at that grand, that grandiose plan or vision God has given to you. When you're so obsessed with results and you're so obsessed with getting, you're going to get discouraged when you do something and you don't get the results that you're looking forward to. No, you have to get obsessed with the process. You have to get obsessed with doing the right thing today to arrive at the good and great future tomorrow. And when you don't have vision, when you don't have a target painted, you can pull back the bow and arrow and shoot it anywhere you want, but you ain't going to hit the bullseye. If I don't have a, 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 a GPS and I want to get to Texas from Montreal and I just start driving and hoping I hit Texas one day, I'm never going to get to Texas. Matter of fact, I might lose, you know end up lost or stranded somewhere and just call the place that I met Texas. I guess this is what, and that's what a lot of people do. You know, they take no thought into this. They don't, they don't, uh, they don't engage in fasting and prayer to discover the vision of God for their life. They don't, they're trying to invent something for themselves instead of discover the set plan that God has for you, which he's the one, he's your manufacturer. And everyone knows that the product and the function of the product and the usefulness of a product is determined by the manufacturer. My iPhone cannot decide to be a colander or a strainer. My computer cannot decide to be a car. I cannot ride it. My computer has, Apple has designed it for a specific function and it does what I need it to do. You have been designed by God. The Bible says that before you were formed in your mother's womb, God knew you. God knows you best and he knows what will work best. He knows what will make you happiest. He knows what will make you uh, at most peace, he'll mo- he'll know he knows what will give you the most fulfillment in life. There's a way that seems right unto men. It looks like vision, smells like vision, tastes like vision, but its end is the way of death. So if I want to get to Texas, I have to put it in the GPS, and as I follow the map, I'm going to get there. In the same vein, if you have no vision anywhere you end up, that that that'll just be considered. Unless where people saying they say, well, I guess this is what God wanted me to do. No, it might not be. Understand, God is sovereign, but he's not sovereign over your will. He's not usurping your will. God is sovereign, 
Now, the Bible says that the plans of his heart shall endear to all generations. The scripture says that no purpose of his can be thwarted, but he's not sovereign. He doesn't take control over your will. You have the right, you have the privilege, you have a divine privilege that's been granted to you to decide for yourself whether you want to, uh, you know, take a car and drive it off a bridge or if you want to stay in the lane, God's not going to make you do one or the other. You have a choice to make. You have the decision to make. So you have the choice to uh, engage in the necessary tools God has given us to discover that set plan that he has for us. So number one, when you have no vision, that's when you have no self-control. And the Bible says a man without self-control is like a city broken down without walls. Anything that comes, anything can go, and uh, you know you just deal with it. That's People who have no vision just deal with life. They don't take command over life. They don't have dominion over their life. They don't take charge over their life. You remember, Paul had a vision to appear before Caesar at Rome. And so as a result, he knew where he was was not his end his end goal he knew that he wasn't going to die at malta he knew he wasn't going to die uh, at ephesus he knew he wasn't going to die at jerusalem that's why he willingly offered himself up and he said i'm ready to die and be bound but i know he knew he wasn't going to die at jerusalem because the lord already revealed it to him that he's going to go and appear before caesar at rome that's what got jesus <laughs> they tried to kill him before his time but his vision was what to endure the cross despise its shame and uh, win victory over sin, death, and, the hell, and hell in the grave. And what happened? When they tried to pick up stones and stone him, he just passed through the midst of them and passed on. When they came to arrest him, he could have easily have just kept on saying, I am he, I am he. And they would have fallen, fallen over time and time again, and they were, it would have been a, a, a never-ending cycle. But he knew his vision. They, nobody could kill him before his time. Nobody can wipe it out. Nobody can wipe him out. Nobody, as he was cooperating with God and was obedient, nobody can stop him nobody can stop what god has started nobody can cancel what they didn't start when god starts the vision you can know that it'll never be canceled that's the advice gamaliel gave the sanhedrin in acts chapter 4 when peter and john refused to stop preaching and teaching in the name of jesus gamaliel stood up and he was a well-respected pharisee and he said leave these men alone let them alone take heed what you do to them because if this plan is of men it'll dissipate if this plan is of men, it'll come to nothing. But if it is of God, you're going to burn yourself. You'll never overthrow it. You'll be found fighting against God. So number one, lack of vision, people perish. They have no backbone. They don't stand. They're not runners. And I want to read Habakkuk chapter 2. The scripture says, And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets, that he may run and read it. That he who, sorry, that he may run who reads it. Write the vision down. Make it plain. Make it specific. Don't just say, you know, uh, I'm going to open up a business. What the heck does that even mean? No, what business are you going to open up? Well, I'm going to become a teacher. Well, what are you going to teach? Well, I'm going to be a preacher. Well, where are you going to preach? What are you going to preach? What's the message God has given you for this generation? Everybody has a message. Kenneth Hagin had the message of faith. He had a specific vision. David Oye Depo. The Lord showed up to him in a vision and said, I have reserved you to um, 
set all men free but from every oppression of the devil through the preaching of the word of faith. So his whole ministry is tailored around preaching the words of faith as found in the Bible. And, and God has blessed him. He's got the largest church on planet earth, if I'm not mistaken, or at least near it. So what you have to write the vision down, make it plain on tablets. So take time, take out your notebook, either while I'm doing this podcast or after, and just write down, you know, you have a, a vague vision, you have a general, you know, direction as to where you want to go, but what are the specifics? What exactly do you want to accomplish? Or what exactly is God calling you to accomplish rather? And then it says, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. That shows you that it's not going to happen overnight. Abraham had a vision for a multitude of nations. What happened? He endured. He did not waver in faith. He gave glory to God until how many years later? He finally held Isaac in his arms. He had a vision. He saw Isaac in his heart before he held him in his hands. You have to see things in your heart and in your spirit. Imagine it. That's the power of imagination. I know there's all the secular teachers that have abused it and whatnot. But if you read Genesis 11, the scripture says that one of the reasons why God scattered humanity at the tower of babel is because they had joined together and the bible says now this they began to do and nothing could be wish withheld from them or restricted from them of which they have imagined to do so god has wired you to have imagination to conceive in your mind what you want to do that is not a demonic thing now when you use wicked men use that imagination to plot and to create evil things because the devil can uh, if you open yourself up to demonic forces and dark forces he'll use the human ability to do that uh to bring about his plans to bring about his purpose but if you'll use that imagina imagination and uh direct it towards your heavenly purpose it's a very powerful tool so abacuc saying the vision is yet for an appointed time there is an appointed time luke chapter 1 verse 80 and john the baptist the bible says remained in desert places until the day of his manifestation there is a day you keep adding fuel until the fire is released you keep adding condensation to the cloud until the water is released you keep adding and adding and adding pressure until it can no longer hold and the dam is broken and the water pours that's what that's what vision empowers you to do it's for an appointed time, but because you have the vision, you know you're not working uselessly. You know you're not working in futility. You're not, you know you're not wasting your time. You're being steadfast. You're being immovable. You're working knowing that your work shall always be rewarded if it's in the Lord. At the end, it shall speak, and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come to pass. It will not tarry. Number two, vision. Joseph's vision at a young age is what empowered him to endure hostility against his brothers you're going to have a lot of people that are going to think you're crazy you're going to have a lot of people rise up and uh, make you look like you're ludicrous they're going to make you feel like you're dumb joseph did that he spoke the vision out to people maybe he shouldn't have shared it to those specific people you should share the vision but you shouldn't entertain people that want to beat down your vision that want to crush your vision that want to strip you of any joy and peace and the ultimate uh and the ultimate strength you need to fulfill that vision so he did that, and what happened? They, they, they tossed him into a ditch, sold him to uh, Egyptians. But notice, they couldn't stop the vision. People can talk bad against the vision. Keep, people can uh, try and belittle your mind because of your vision. They think you're ignorant. They think you're dumb. They think you have a low IQ. They think that you're not the brightest uh, light in the house. 
But ultimately, they can't, that's all they can do. They cannot stop the vision of God. And so when you have vision, it enables you to endure the hostility. Like I, I quoted before briefly in Hebrews um, chapter 12, the Bible says, He endured the cross, despising its shame. And it says, Now consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you also grow weary and are discouraged in your heart. So you have to guard yourself against discouragement. People can say whatever they want to say. Let them talk. If you look at Sanballat and uh, the other guy in the book of uh, Ezra, they were ridiculing Ezra and his dream and his vision that he had to go back into Jerusalem and, and build the, the, the temple. They spoke. They spoke all they wanted. They, they kept on, you know, mouthing off. That's all the devil can do is mouth off. And that's all his servants will do is mouth off. But ultimately, what happened? Ezra saw the fulfillment of it. And those ones, Ezra said, you can speak all you want. You will see the prosperity of Jerusalem, but you'll have no part in it. So don't, don't pay attention to that. Blessed are you when you're persecuted because you're following after God. David's vision, he didn't care about what his brother said. He had vision to be a king. He had an anointing to kill a bear, to kill a lion. And when Goliath popped up, he didn't let his brother's discouragement get to him. He encouraged himself in the Lord. He strengthened himself in the Lord. He took up the five pebbles. He brought that sling, knocked him out, and then began his ascension to the throne. Number three, vision is not an invention, but it's a discovery of a set plan. But I want to show you, number three, what is not vision? And I'm going to go through four, four things that can be perceived as vision, but they're not vision. And then we're going to close up. Number one is ambition, self-made plans. The Bible says, beware of selfish ambition. The Bible says that because of self-seeking and envy and ambition, there every evil thing exists. So you have to guard yourself that what I'm doing, you got to question, examine yourself, examine your motives. What am I doing? Am I doing this because God has called me to it? Or am I doing it because I want to be seen? Am I doing it because I want to be, um, I want to be praised? Am I doing this because I want to be noticed? Am I doing this because I've seen others do it? Am I doing this because I want to be better? You know, I'm showing off with the Joneses. Any motivation like that, you, you, you're, you're going to fall flat on your face. Examine yourself. You can't set out to achieve something just because I want to be an achiever. Lose the I'm an achiever mentality. The Bible even says at the end of it all, when we appear before Jesus Christ... He's going to put a crown on us. And Jesus said in uh, uh, one of the, the prophecies of that day, he said, when that happens, you will reply to me. We were merely unworthy servants doing what you've told us to do. So it's not, I'm, I'm going out to do this so I can be noticed. So I can, you know, uh, uh, people will see how mighty I am, how strong I am, how witty I am, how, how much wisdom I have. First of all, if you have that mentality, if you have that type of thinking, you have forfeited divine help. You forfeited divine help and the help of man is useless. And the Bible says, cursed is man who trusts in man, who puts his hope in man, in the strength of man. He'll never see when prosperity comes. He'll be like a shrub that lays waste in a dry desert. So make sure it's not ambition. You're not being ambitious for the sake of being ambitious. Now, there is good ambition. You can direct that ambition when the Lord tells you what to do and you, you direct ambition not towards self, but towards God's kingdom and God's glory. That's good ambition. That is good ambition. That actually can be better 
uh, interpreted as zeal. The Bible says it is a good thing to be zealous in a good thing always. I mean, Paul said in Titus, the scripture says that uh, when God redeemed us from every lawless deed, he then empowered us to be zealous unto good works. The Bible says we should be zealous to do good things, especially to those that are house of, of the household of faith. Jesus said, zeal for his house. God's house has consumed me. He set his face towards Jerusalem to, to go, to do what, he, what God had called him to do. So ambition is when it's towards self. Zeal is expressed towards God. Number two, what is not vision is impression. You cannot look at someone else do something and think that God's calling you to do it. Impression can be a signal for direction. I'm not saying you see someone do something and Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit inspires you and, and drops that vision in your heart at that moment. I'm not saying that doesn't happen. That does happen. Um, a, great, a great man of God, when I saw him preaching and evangelizing and, and, and doing what God called him to do, I had never seen someone evangelize like that. I didn't even know that existed. And evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth, when I saw him, when I was in a meeting with him, that's when, actually, no, I didn't. I wasn't even in a meeting with him. I just watched him on, on live stream. I hadn't even met him. I just got in saved. When I saw that, it imprinted in me something like that. That is exact. It like just made sense. That's exactly what I'm going to do. There's not going to be anything else that I'm going to do in life. Like I had a passion for the loss. I wanted to see people saved. I wanted to see people healed. I wanted to see people um, recover from the horrors of hell. But I didn't. I didn't have. I didn't. You know, I saw the crusade fields, but I just didn't have a um, a pathfinder or a pace setter. Someone who had gone before. Remember Hebrews 6.12. Be followers of them who through faith and patience have obtained the promises of God. Who are doing what you are called to do. So when I saw that, it impressed something in my spirit. However, if you just see, I, you know, I don't do everything Evangelist Jonathan does. You know, I, I, if, you, if you are a pastor and you see a pastor down the road, he's, he's, he starts a, a hospital program or whatever, and he starts building hospitals, and you think, well, you know, he's doing it, so I might as well start doing that too. But God didn't give you the divine okay. You know what's going to happen? You might be the first person admitted into that hospital. So you got to be careful with impression. Number three is situation. This is a huge one. Well, you know what? I'm not really doing well in school. Maybe God's calling me to the ministry. So your, your situation is causing you to choose something for yourself that might not be what God has chosen for you. You know, oh, I, I'm not doing well in business. Maybe I'll go on the missions field overseas. You, you'll get killed doing that. Well, you know what? Um, my church isn't growing. Maybe I'll just, you know, I'll start my own business. It can go either way. No, that's not, that's not how vision comes. That's not, that is a very uh, big mistake when people engage in that and think it's vision because they can be thinking, you know, well, you know, doors aren't opening for me here. You know, maybe I'm just going to, but maybe it's, first of all, there's a several reasons why doors might not be opening for you right there. Maybe you're doing things wrong. You know, not people are so quick to blame God for everything, but uh, a lot of the times it's our own errors, our own mistakes that cause fruitlessness. So you don't you don't ever make a, a decision based on situation. Well, I'm stranded for money, you know, and uh, so I guess I, I, I guess I'll I'll uh, you know I'll take on a second job or something. I'll take on. That's not, that might not, might not be the thing that's blocking your harvest. There might be something else. 
So you don't just make a decision based on situation. You make a decision as you are. They that are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. And number four, of um, a mistake people often mistake for vision is reaction. Reaction. This oftentimes is seen and witnessed in the church. You have a guy who's not pleased with how the pastor is preaching. Well, I would have done things better. I think I, I wouldn't do things like that. So what does he do? He reacts by going to plant a church, and that's where a split comes, and he drags people with them. And that is literally how Satan got booted out of heaven and took a third of the angels with him. You don't react to things. Well, I, you know, you know, he he uh, he started a food program. I'm not really happy with the way it's being run. I'm going to start my own food program. God didn't call you to it. God didn't call you to it. God doesn't call people. And then he points at others and say, you know, the reason why I'm calling is because this knucklehead didn't do it right. God calls people with divine assignment, with divine purpose. And um, it's always in purity. Anything that's birthed out of division will fall. A kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. It will fall. So these are the four things that can be perceived as vision, but they're not. And now in my final minute, I'm going to give you four quick run through of how you can locate vision. Four quick things to locate vision. Number one, you have to have a strong desire for it. Jeremiah 29, 13, seek with all your heart. Seek me with all your heart. Search for me with all your heart and you will find it. You have to have a desire. What you don't watch, you will not get. What you don't desire for, what you don't look and hunger after, you won't be filled with. Number two, prayer and fasting. You must engage with prayer and fasting. It was in prayer and fasting that um, the Bible says that uh, the early church set apart Paul and Barnabas and they sent them out by the power of the Spirit. It was in a time of prayer and fasting that the vision for Paul's life was uh, more clearly laid out and being sent out by the Spirit. After that time of prayer and fasting, they went to Seleucia. Prayer and fasting, fasting is extremely important. I mean, it was um, Luke chapter 9, the account of the Mount of Transfiguration. In Luke, Jesus is praying and he's fasting on the mount and Moses and Elijah come to him, and the Bible says they spoke to him of the things that he should accomplish at Jerusalem. They spoke to him of his decease. So they laid out a more clear vision of his decease and of what he was about to do at Jerusalem. That came through a time of prayer and fasting. Number three, you must be humble. The meek, God said, I will teach my way. The meek, I will guide in justice. The Bible says, I said it before, the proud, he knows from afar the grace he gives humble. The, the humble, he gives grace. Sorry about that. Number four, and finally, is you must pay attention to what is burning in you. So I said, number one, how to locate vision is you have to have desire to locate the vision. But number four, one of the ways you can locate vision is you find out what burns in you naturally. I have a passion for souls that other people uh, might think I'm a little nuts about. Everywhere I go, when I'm in my hair, hairdresser and I'm getting my hair done, I get my hair cut, I'm preaching to the guy every single time without error. When I go and get my car fixed uh, at the garage, I led the secretary to the Lord because she was just standing there. I was standing in the waiting room. Might as well make the best of it. Wander to the Lord. You know, everywhere you go, everywhere I go, I was like, I was just drawn to it. 
My desire, I didn't want to do anything else. I had no passion for accounting. I have no passion. I used to want to be real, a real estate agent. I wanted to do that when I wasn't saved. When I got saved, I didn't, I didn't care. I would have been depressed as a real estate agent. I would have been the worst real estate agent ever. I would have said, you know, let yourself in, look around and uh, lock up when you leave. I would have been depressed. I would not have been engaged with it. Find out what you're naturally passionate for. God has wired you that way. Some people, and it might be something that like doesn't seem much. You know, there's a guy who, I mean, Steve Harvey told the story of a guy that he grew up with who was passionate about mowing the lawn. That was his passion. And so he would oftentimes in summer refuse to go out and play with the, his friends and stuff because he was, he was like mowing the lawn for other people. And he didn't just do it as a job to make extra cash and, during the summer. He, was, he like studied how a blade should be cut, how to like maximize the beauty of a, of a certain landscape and lawn and whatnot, how to do the circles, how to, do, how to get the nice lines. It, he just studied it and he didn't do it because anyone had, everyone had a gun to his head and they were making him do it. He wasn't a slave to it. He just, he, odd thing, he loved grass and he loved, he loved earth and he loved landscaping and whatnot. Well, that guy has a multi, multi-million dollar um, business today. There's another guy I know. He didn't, he had no um, he had no desire to go to college. He had no desire to study and, and, and advance his studies and whatnot. He went through high school. He did all that. But when it came to like uh, further studies, he took the money that he would have spent on college. He took a loan out from the bank, $100,000, whatever it was. And he started a business for tree cutting. He cuts trees. He bought all the necessary tools, equipment, the truck, everything. He's, he's doing very well for himself now. And he's like my age, maybe even younger. While everyone else is studying for like student loan debt and whatnot, not studying, struggling with student loan debt, this guy is like, I'm not saying school, you know, you go to school if you want to go to school, if the Lord leads you that way. But this guy was not led that way. And as a result, you can never, you can never follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and, uh, and lose out. He always leads you to profit. He always brings you, the Bible says he gives you, it delights him to give prosperity to his servants. So when you serve God, God always gives prosperity to those that delightfully serve him. So that pretty much is the episode two of this podcast. I know I went a little long today. It was um, a little more content and a little more things came to my mind than I had previous, previously planned for. However, I think, I think it's going to help you. So like I said before, you can follow us on on the first podcast you can follow us on instagram twitter instagram twitter and facebook at tj malkanji youtube subscribe to our channel and uh looking forward to releasing another podcast next monday until then have the richest greatest most blessed week you've ever had god bless you